Pickaxe. Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next test strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. Yes, I can see you. Okay, awesome, man. So let's get started. We good now? Yeah. So tell me yeah, a little bit about, um, what, what, how would you like to be addressed, by the way? Um, you can just call me Dom. Dom? Most people okay. just call me Dom. Yeah. All right, Dom, so tell me a little bit about what we're talking about today and how I can be helpful. Um, I'm not sure. So uh, your assistant reached out to me. I think he wanted to discuss, uh, like, so I developed panic disorder when I was, like, 24, um, okay. which is when I was in LCS, which I don't know if you're familiar with um, League of Legends, but that's, like, the, sure. I guess, the premier North American competition uh-huh. um, here. So pretty much, like, I came from there. That's, like, how people know me. Um, okay. I played LCS for five years. Now I stream. Um, I developed, like, some depression so i went to like a psychiatrist and everything i was diagnosed with depression in october um of last year Uh um so 2019 but i'm feeling like pretty good now with like everything in terms of like mental health but yeah i mean i obviously like still have some struggles but um definitely we're we're on the up right now i would say awesome man i'm I'm so happy to hear that um yeah thanks so so uh then in the in that case don i dom i want you to think a little bit about me as a resource (laughs) Right. So, yeah. so like what, um, how can I be helpful to you? Or is there something, I mean, if, and if nothing comes to mind, then I can, you know, I can try to take the lead, but is there something in particular um, that you are struggling with or that you'd like to better understand? Uh, so, or- uh, I mean, I mean, I guess the main thing that I've struggled with, um, is similar to like LS, just like negative feedback from community, like Reddit, Twitter, stuff like that. Okay. Um, so I think that that's like the main thing that I like don't handle super, super well. Okay. Um, I, I handle it better now than I used to, obviously. Like, I, so I went to, to therapy, like with a psychiatrist, um, for, I think I did like three or four sessions, but I think that just even in those three or four sessions, it helped like kind of like reframe how I should think about things. And then hmm. they kind of like set me on the right path towards like how you can become happier. Um, so yeah, just, just awesome, recently Good just, for you. I, I was, a- I was able to like, I guess, listen to their advice on things and yeah everything's been been going a lot better now yeah cool um so when you say things have been going a lot better like what has what has changed in your life that makes things better like what does better look like um so just like generally like more happy throughout the day i'm looking towards like i'm looking forward to a lot of things okay um that i do also i think maybe people are still saying a little bit too loud okay thank you very much um but uh yeah, I mean, I guess I guess happiness for me is like I'm looking forward to to things that I'm doing. Like, uh, like every day I wake up excited for the day. Awesome. Whereas before I was I was kind of just like, I was like dreading streaming. That was pretty much my uh, mentality. It's like mm. fuck, like I got to stream today. All right, I'm gonna do it. And then I wake, and then like because I'm already expecting the negativity, almost it felt like I like almost focused on the negativity coming out of my chat. Because um, like if you ever stream gameplay, there's definitely gonna be some percentage of people that are either backseat gaming you, criticizing you criticizing like random things about you um and when you're in that negative mindset it's like super easy to just focus on only those comments read only those comments and just like have bad streams so um just generally speaking like i just put things in place to just enjoy my life more day to day so um just like the way i stream is different now than what i used to do um just like the content i do is different and it's stuff that i look forward to personally Uh uh-huh um 
and then I guess like I don't know I just I make more of an effort to see my friends in person um you know like just yeah just care about like what I'm doing with my time okay. um yeah so I guess that's what better looks like right now that's awesome man so um I have a couple of thoughts yeah. for you okay or a couple of awesome. like and, and maybe like directions we can go and mm-hmm. also thinking a little bit about what's maybe applicable to our audience. So the first thing that I want to point out is when mm-hmm. you talk about streaming, so we gener- uh, you talk about streaming, you say that sometimes or you used to wake up every day and dread streaming, and now mm-hmm. you wake up every day and you look forward to it. Yep. So that to me is actually in a bizarre way really, really confusing, mm-hmm. even though it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And so I can empathize with what you're describing because I felt the mm-hmm. same way about activities in my life. Like where mm-hmm. some days I wake up and I'm looking forward to one activity and another mm-hmm. day I look, I wake up and I don't look forward to that activity. The mm-hmm. thing that seems really illogical to me about that is if we think about it, most people think about activities as positive or negative, right? Mm-hmm. We assign a value to the activity. So like we'll say like, I don't like going to school. I don't like going to work. I like hanging out with my friends. I like going out and partying. I like playing video games. And so Mm -hmm. most people conceptualize the activity as like the source of goodness or badness, right? Mm -hmm. Either it's fun or it's not fun. Chores, not Mm -hmm. fun. But if we really stop and listen to what you're saying, it's really fascinating because even though the activity may have changed a little bit here or there, that your experience of the activity will be positive or negative, which implies that your enjoyment of life actually has is not dependent on the activity that you do but is dependent on something within you mm-hmm. what yep, do you think definitely. about that oh i, I 100 agree so i guess the the way that i like rationalize that is the way that i stream is so drastically different now than what it used to be in terms of like what the type of content i do um in general that it just gives me like a better outlook um, just inherently because I'm more excited for the things that I'm doing on stream rather than what I was doing before. So like, because I, I and I think that it also just feeds into like my chat interaction because I'm doing things that I'm excited about. Uh-huh. More people like sense that excitement or they sense that like positivity and they don't really want to like say anything negative. Like they're just the odd man out if they're being sure. negative towards me in, in my chat. So, um, so I think that that's just kind of like why it went so much better. Yeah, so Dom, what I'm I'm hearing you say is that when you bring positive, so the way in, the content has changed, therefore you're mm-hmm. more positive. And if you're yep. more positive when you stream, it creates mm-hmm. a different interaction, which then mm-hmm. also reinforces your enjoyment of the stream. Yeah, exactly. Right? But that's also kind of interesting because I'm, I think the key thing there, you kind of talk about the content change mm-hmm. as where the start of, of the cycle is right so the change comes because you change the what what content you stream that's what you're saying right mm-hmm. but i wonder how much of that has to do with your attitude right so even though that the content has changed your attitude is mm-hmm. it possible to change your attitude in and of itself and can that be the source of changing your life so so yeah that, that's pretty much what we're trying to do so um before, I guess the way I'll, I'll explain it is I used to just stream only gameplay. Uh-huh. Like obviously, I was, I'm an ex-pro player, so um, people originally knew me for my gameplay, and that's like where my first fan base came from. And then over time, you know, I wasn't playing as much, I wasn't enjoying the game as much, and um, I decided like, okay, maybe this isn't the right thing for me. Like, I've done the, the same things forever, and it felt like when you're just doing the same thing every single day for four years, there's nothing exciting to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
after we developed like an idea for creating better content um we're starting to now try to apply that like good attitude i have in that content towards my normal stream so i do do gameplay a certain amount of the time now but like right now our challenge on stream is we're trying to go because i'm known as like a like toxic or like a flamer in game like i like talk shit in game right like that's how people perceive me that's pretty much who, like how i'm known in the community um to some extent obviously there's there's good and bad but that's definitely part of how i'm characterized on the internet um so we're trying to go we're trying to do the same type of like grind that we would always do which is go from the lowest rating in the game to the highest rating in the game but we're trying to do that with only a positive attitude towards my teammates so i don't say one negative thing to my teammates how's that working time, uh, it's, so far, we have, we have not flamed a teammate. We're about uh, 50 games into the challenge. We have not flamed anyone. But this is, like, the easiest part of it because when you're in lower rating, you obviously win a lot more games. Sure. It gets really hard when you get, like, towards the top and, like, one mistake can just, like, lose you the game or put you super and, far behind. And why do you flame? So Okay, so this is great, man. So mm -hmm. I, I'm really excited to kind of talk further with you. Can I lay out a couple of other um, options and then let me know what sure. you're interested in um, or Perfect. what Chad is interested in? So one is... Further exploring how attitude, so it's not the activity that changes, mm -hmm. like in ter like so the uh, one activity can we think about activities as positive or negative? But what I'm hearing mm -hmm. from you is that your attitude actually affects whether the activity mm -hmm. is fun or not fun, and so yeah. we can explore a little bit about how you changed your attitude because I think a mm -hmm. lot of people are stuck because they perceive an activity like oh going to school is boring mm -hmm. or going to work is boring. And if we can better understand how you were able to shift your attitude, then yeah. maybe people can start to do things that they normally don't conceive of as fun. Yeah. And, and yeah. that can start to be fun for them. So that's one option. Okay, definitely. I mean, I, I would like to talk about that. I mean, it's, it's obviously like really basic stuff. It's going to sound so dumb when I say it, but part of it was just that I wasn't taking care of myself like in the proper way. So I used to stream every single day. So for four years, I streamed every single day starting at midnight. Um, and I would wake up at midnight and I would stream until 8 a.m. So I changed my sleep schedule and I always felt like fucked up doing that schedule. Like I always felt groggy when I woke up. It felt weird going to sleep in the middle of the day. Like 4 p.m. you're trying to go to sleep. It's light outside. It just feels wrong. Um, even when you get enough sleep, it still just feels feels bad. So I changed my sleep schedule. I now start my stream at like 6, 7 a.m. So I wake up in the morning. Um, this is like mainly through my, like when I went to a psychiatrist, these are like the glaring things where it's like you need to change this shit was my diet. Like, now I eat three times a day. I try to, like, start the day with, like, oatmeal and a coffee, and then I just have, like, more healthy meals throughout the day. Um, that's another thing that helped me a lot. Um, so diet and then just starting to exercise again, um, which I've been pretty bad about recently. But in the beginning, I tried to implement that into my, to my life. So just, like, having just, I guess, a more healthy body, I think, drastically changed my attitude. So yeah, dude, you I would were say just... those are the thing. Yeah, oh, I was dumb, just... dude. Uh, the the challenge w for me right now is that everything you're saying is something that I want to spend an hour talking to you about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm willing to, to talk and, and about so, anything. So, so talking yeah, so. about the relationship between your body and mind. The other thing that I just want to drive home is mm -hmm. that, you know, what part of happiness or contentment or joy comes from you and what part of it comes from the outside world? Right? Like, um, let's just think about this for a second, because what you're saying is that your enjoyment of life, and we generally tend to conceptualize pain or enjoyment is coming from outside of us. Mm -hmm. We think about our circumstances. We're like, I'm unhappy because my girlfriend broke up with me. 
And so mm-hmm. it, it, most human beings really think about the source of their unhappiness. And it makes perfect sense, right? If you get dumped by your girlfriend, like you're going to be unhappy. But we think about, we don't think about, so let's take the case of a guy who gets dumped by his girlfriend. Like the solution there is to, you know, mourn for a little while and then like find another girlfriend because that's the solution to loneliness. Like, you know, yep. the substitute for a girlfriend is another girlfriend. We don't think about the solution as, and I, I love it what you said. You said eat three times a day, right? We're not talking about like eating super healthy. We're not talking about like increasing, like going vegan or eating like salads for lunch every day. You're just saying like fucking eat three times a day. Like mm-hmm. real, real low barrier. Trying to eat healthy is not, you, what you said was successful for you. You say, yeah, I try to eat healthy. Try implies that you don't succeed very much, but it sounds like what you are doing is actually just eating three times a day. Yep. And that is a fantastic example of like the bar for feeling better and enjoying life more is actually not about changing your circumstances. It's not about graduating from college and getting a super nice job. It's not about making more money. It's about eating three times a day. (laughs) For me, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds crazy because that's not the way we think about it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was all things that I assigned like really low amounts of value to. I was like, yeah, I don't sleep enough, and I know I have like a fucked up diet, but that shit like doesn't really matter to me. Like yep. that's not the reason why I'm I'm unhappy. It's because of like all this other stuff. It's what did you th- What did you think? My... What did you think were the reasons you were unhappy? I thought it was because um, I felt like Reddit and like Twitter and like all these big social platforms like would heavily mischaracterize me. I thought it was because of you know like i would read like threads about how i'm like this awful person like i'm a piece of shit which happens to like everyone and i just don't perceive people the same way that those platforms do like a bunch of the people you've had on here i've met in real life like like Reckful, for example and mitch jones uh ls and if you read how people are being talked about like it's like these people are just like shit on the bottom of their boot that's literally how people describe these people on live stream fail like league of legends subreddit etc and i just don't view like these people as bad people i feel like they're all good people so i want to continue talking about positivity but i also want to mention just Mm -hmm. another thing that we could talk about which is like Mm -hmm. toxicity in general and you were sort of saying that you know if you start to play poorly or you start to flame that like people on twitch chat are gonna be toxic towards you on people on LSF mm-hmm. or toxic towards you. It sounds like you yourself are, are, um, you well, know, it's because like I'm toxic, right? So it's like, if I'm toxic or if they can label me as toxic, then it's like easy to be toxic to the toxic. Person. Sure. It feels like everyone wants that outlet to be toxic on those. Platforms. So I, I think we could also talk a little bit about like where toxicity comes from. So you're saying mm-hmm. that they mirror what you give them which is also in line with what you were saying about your positivity or negativity on stream that, that, mm-hmm. you know, people sort of follow where you lead, but then the, st- the question mm-hmm. still become like, we can still explore the question of why were you toxic in the first place mm-hmm. and why are other people toxic in the first place? Like where does toxicity come from? You know, how does it affect us? So we can kind of explore toxicity. Mm-hmm. We can explore whether happiness or positive, like happiness or dissatisfaction comes from Reddit mischaracterizing you or eating three meals a day which is also perplexing mm-hmm. to me. The last thing that I, I kind of want to just mention to you, and it doesn't sound like we're going to get to this, is it sounds like, I, you haven't sort of said this explicitly, but it sounds like at some point you started changing the way that you view your identity. That, um, yeah. And, and so yeah. I'm curious about how much of your suffering or, or positive trajectory or negative trajectory comes from a sense, like your definition of who you are, and how your mm-hmm. life changed when you started to view yourself in a different way. Yeah. So, um, out of these so three, I think that there's part of. 
Are you wanna... So, like, I guess one thing I was going to say is, so part of that came because I feel like everything really just lined up. Like, I got pretty lucky in the way it all lined up because I, I ended up changing my, my content, right? And I tried to change my attitude. But then really what happened is, like, because my content was good or, like, at least in the League of Legends community, people just liked what I was doing. Like, I was doing certain types of, um, like, co-streams and I was doing more analytical stuff and people valued the stuff I was putting out. I started just receiving a lot more positive feedback. So... I was somebody who was like majority like uh, majority hated on Reddit, or at least the League of Legends Reddit, for like a lot of years. And then uh, when my content improved, you know, all the co all the comments changed. So I think that, that kind of helped me feel better about myself because I would read these comments that are suddenly like, you know, sometimes Dom gets frustrated in game, but you know, recently he's trying harder to to be better, and I really like him in this format. Like there was just a lot more positivity. So it's because it feels like everything kind of just lined up to like. Yeah allow me to be happier so so uh, you know dom respectfully i'm gonna actually bizarre as the sounds disagree with you a little bit and okay. what i'm really curious about is I, I think your success sure you got positive feedback and that fueled it but i think the key thing here is how did you decide to try new content mm, uh yeah so pretty much what happened was before i was really motivated by you know stream numbers like i was super focused on stream numbers growth like everything like that and I thought that what I was doing was taking a hit. I was like, I'm just going to do stuff that I want to do that I think will get less viewership, but it'll be more fulfilling to me so that I could be more proud of what I was putting out. So, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much like yeah. what happened in my mind. I tried to like sacrifice the money and like growth of my stream to do things that were fulfilling, but it ended up just all working out. So, yeah. So, so but I think that's the key thing, right? So if we think about mm -hmm. what you were doing you actually made a sacrifice or you moved away. You did something that on paper was a bad idea, mm -hmm. right? You were saying like, okay, so I'm focused on viewership numbers. And if I try something new, people come to my stream because they're expecting something. Mm -hmm. and, and so in a sense, you were providing good content, right? Like you had a, a pretty stable viewership, but you, mm -hmm. it, you had a good thing going. And the interesting thing that I'm hearing from you is that you actually walked away from a good thing by by trying to new new content. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it was perceived as a good thing, yeah. Like it, I don't, I wasn't necessarily growing, but yeah. I was pretty stable but, with my view count. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think mm -hmm. perceived is the key word here, right? So I think a lot of people do what they perceive to be a good thing instead of doing what like feels right to them. Like we have this formula for success and we have this idea that like, okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to be successful. If I continue streaming, like, you know, generally speaking, most, most Twitch streamers know that like, if you're a particular kind of, like if you're a, like, let's say a Hearthstone player or a LoL player and you try to play a new game, what happens to your viewership? It's halved. Exactly. Right? So mm -hmm. it's kind of common knowledge that trying new stuff on stream is like an objectively a bad idea. So what I think is really awesome about what you were doing, what you were able to do is you had a particular formula from for success, which you actually walked away from. Mm -hmm. How are you able yep. to do that? Right. How are you able to make that sacrifice? Um, I think like part of it was just like talking to talking to my mom about things and just like being like, okay, like ha have I made enough money at this point to like live modestly for the rest of my life? So once I like hit that point where I felt like I'm going to be okay no matter what, like I can move to a place that doesn't have high like taxing, like I can move to like uh, an area and I can be fine, I can raise a family, like I can do that. Once I hit that like uh, that number in my head where I'm like okay, I'm fine forever, 
then I just stopped caring as much about the success of my stream because I didn't view that like I just want to be able to live the way that I like grew up, which was not like particular. Like, I was like middle class, like not particular particularly luxurious, but I have everything I need. You know, yeah. like I always have food, always have like the ability to do what I want. So. Yeah, so it sounds like you hit a particular amount of financial security that allowed yeah. you to take a chance. Yeah. Yep. At the same time, it. I, it sounds like your financial security, while that gave you the kind of uh, gave you the security to take mm -hmm. a chance, it sounds like your success does not actually have to do with your financial security. Um. Yeah, I right? don't think so. I, I, yeah, I think so, outwardly that's what that's how it's perceived. But yeah, no, I think it's so more. So this is important to understand, right? So for people who are feeling stuck, I, I think that <laughs> what I'm really like, what this is, by the way, going in a completely different direction from panic disorder and depression, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> but I, I, what, what I'm really kind of fascinated by is that, and I've noticed this kind of time and again that I think that success doesn't come from taking good opportunities. I think success comes from walking away from good opportunities. What do you think about that? That's like a, I mean, that's definitely an interesting way to, it just sounds, it sounds so, so logical, but I guess, I guess that that does make sense because if you're walking away from good opportunities, you're probably doing it for a reason. So if like the reason is good enough for you, then that sounds so, like, yeah. So what kind of, and spot on, right? So here's the point that I'm making. And I think you kind of embody this is that in order to walk away from it, like, what is it within you that allows you to walk away from a good opportunity? Like, what do you have to do to walk away from a successful stream? I mean, I guess for me, you just have to convince yourself that the benefits you're going to get from whatever you're going to do in the future is going to be like, you're just going to have some type of positive over what you had before. So it could be like, what yeah, kind, like what kind of benefit? So I think that's mm -hmm. important, right? So what kind of benefit, what were you, if we think about you stopping your law stream, your mm -hmm. traditional law stream and doing like more analysis and other things like that. Mm -hmm. What were you moving towards within yourself? Um, just like, like more like emotional happiness, I guess. So it was just like, it was trading off like security, I guess, for emotional well-being. That's yeah. Kind of so I, I, I guess I even sort of answered. So I, I think what I, what I am noticing is that Actually, when I say, what were you moving towards within yourself? That's the key thing mm -hmm. is that you stopped moving towards the external world and you started mm -hmm. moving towards yourself. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Yep. And, and yeah, so, definitely fair. And, and that I think is like beautiful. And I think it's critical because when most people feel stuck in life, where do they move? <laughs> uh, I mean, normally they move. I would say it would be like the opposite, right? Like it would be more like external. They'd move towards like more external success. Absolutely, right? So the worse that mm -hmm. you feel about yourself, the more that you gravitate towards an external thing. You kind of come up with a formula for success. And I imagine that when you were feeling shitty before you decided to kind of make this big change, which sounds like it came through a lot of conversation and a lot of reflection, right? It's mm -hmm. not like something that you just woke up one day and you're like, fuck it, I'm done with this. Yeah. It sounds no, like-, like you I asked, I, Yeah, I asked other streamers that my friends and you know yeah so it sounds like you did a lot of soul searching to try to figure out what you wanted to do before mm -hmm. you went through this process how did you feel about like w like when you were feeling shitty about like so mm -hmm. let's say um so how long ago were you in the lcs uh four years ago okay so let's say like one and a half years after leaving the lcs how mm -hmm. happy were you um 
I'd say I was pretty happy, but that was because, like, it was the first time where I'd... Because when I was in the LCS, it was a completely different thing. Like, I never experienced financial success, and then I also was, like, traveling a bit, and I, like, fell in love with a girl from Australia, and I was, like, traveling to Australia, so I just, like, felt like my life was so cool at that point. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I can work from anywhere. Like, I've been, you know, up until this point for the last five, six years, I've been, like, in a gaming house grinding, and now I have the freedom that I can just go to Australia for three months and just, like experience all these new things so i'd say i was pretty happy at that point because everything was just like so different what so different happened to your happiness um well i mean obviously like the start of a relationship is always the best part i feel <laughs> like or not necessarily always the best part but that, there's like a honeymoon phase obviously right and then you start being more realistic with like your flaws the other person's flaws how you guys actually like line up together so the relationship just ended up being you know, less and less beneficial for for my happiness. Um, personally, also, like, yeah, I mean, we were both dealing with, with our own things. Like, we both had depression at the same time, which was, like, yeah. kind of, like, and I think that that's kind of, like, when you're, when you you live with somebody that, that's depressed, I feel like it's, it's it, like, you become depressed, too, or something. Absolutely. Like, right? So, so um, like, we both were, in, like, in the best state. And then also, um, I think that my career started to plateau, because I think part of the reason why I was so happy and, like, like a year and a half in was like every like bit i'll be like oh i get to see my viewers go from like 3k to 3.5 to 4k like i was very like focused on that being success more viewers equals success that's how that's like what my mentality was so everything was going up and then my relationship started to like plateau and then maybe even decline and then my career started to plateau so then it's just like when when you start plateauing i feel like when you don't feel like you're making any progress in your career and you don't feel like you're making any progress in your relationship it just it felt like i just wasn't like doing anything positive like i didn't feel like i was growing day by day it was just like oh i'm just like existing yeah beautifully said right you're just existing Mm -hmm. so you're not you're not really like living life it's just life is just moving around you you know Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of proceeding on its own and you're just kind of there day to day so i i I want to tunnel down into this a little bit so you know how is your life different now um in, in terms of in terms of what in terms of like, like like feeling happy um well i guess like part of it is that instead of looking at view count for things um i'm more like proud of the content that i produce so when i go back i i feel like because i've started like now now i have two podcasts that i do um and they're well received in the community and i just like doing them they're really exciting for me I have like bodies of work where at the end of it it's like it's not like oh i just grinded another year for no reason i can look back at like my youtube videos or i can like put like look at like a playlist of all my my videos and be like that is like a body of work i did here's my show the crackdown season one there it is i did that i'm proud of it i'm happy about that so like professionally i feel like i have some gratification whereas before it was kind of just like month to month like let's try to just do things that bring in more viewership exactly so so i i'm i and Dom, you got to let me know if I'm like hammering in a point too much, but I just hear you you lacing it into so much of what you're saying. So I just want Mm -hmm. you to think a little bit about where was your barometer of success coming from when you were unhappy? Um, just like average viewer count. Exactly. That was literally like the biggest thing. Where is your barometer for for success coming from now? Um, just like when I'm done with whatever I produce feeling good about it like if i if i don't get any viewers and i'm happy and, and like i do a piece of content that i like i i'm just like okay that was good for me you know that was beneficial so like even even things like coming on 
um like your show like i would I, or like uh yeah being able to talk to you this is something like before i'd be like last year i'd be weighing that like in the in the mentality of like oh will this like increase my branding will like i'd be getting like followers from this like it was like a really like fucked up way to think but i think that just like when you stream for so long and you talk to all these streamers it just becomes like so hammered into you so i'd be like thinking about okay i'm talking to dr k is it better to stream for three hours if i made more money streaming three for three hours do i gain more reach by talking to to, to dr k and that would be just like the my like what i'd be thinking what's, about in my head to, to judge whether or not i sure do that that does that what's fucked up about that that sounds um, very intelligent to me well i think it's just like so businessy when the point of talking to you is I get to talk to a Harvard PhD psychologist that is extremely intelligent about, you know, ab ab about these things that I'm that I'm thinking about, you know. So it's like it's an opportunity to talk to you. It's not an opportunity to grow my brand. Yeah. So how do you think it is that you're able to change the way that you look at a conversation? Right. So like this, once again, nothing has changed mm -hmm. in the outside world. Something has changed yeah. within you, which affects the way that you look at the outside world. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just like that quest for like, I guess, I guess it's just like being conscious of like your own happiness and then like questing towards that, I guess it would be. The yeah. Main thing. And, and, and the, the, so I think this, uh, so most people are conscious of their own unhappiness mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. the way that they quest towards it is on the outside, right? Like, and that's yeah. what you were doing for a long time. Like you were thinking about mm -hmm. the outside, you were thinking about the outcomes you were thinking about viewership. You were thinking about monetization. Those are all important business decisions. And I'd venture that you actually still think about that stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. But and, I, like, I guess, I guess the main thing that I would say is like, I assign value to other things. Before, before I didn't, I didn't assign value to like hang out with my friends for a night. Like it, it, it had, it was like, oh, that like I don't gain anything from that monetarily or business wise. So it's not valuable. So I think that my mentality changed, like trying to find the value within like just your actions throughout the day. Like if I'm spending two hours talking to you, like what is the value of that? What is the value of um, like having, you know, a good conversation with my friends? Like how am I going to feel the next day? Like just assigning more value to those types of things, I think helped me like mentally a lot. Yeah, beautifully said, right? So if I, I think if I had to find an answer to all of the questions I've been asking you, Dom, I think you just gave it to me. So most people who are stuck, they have a set they have like a chart in their mind about what's valuable and they mm -hmm. tend to gravitate towards the things that are high value, right? Mm -hmm. Like you kind of think about, okay, if I do this, like what's valuable is getting more viewership and making more money, getting, building yeah. my brand. That's what is valuable. And so yeah, what happens what is all of your actions, you think about, okay, there's high value stuff and there's low value stuff and you chase the high value stuff. And you forget yep. about the low value stuff. The yeah, fundamental was, thing, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I also just like felt like I was being a fuck up if I wasn't pursuing that stuff. So if I like exactly went out and partied, I was like, oh, well, that's like a day I just lost streaming. Like I'm just like fucking up. I'm being selfish is kind of how I viewed it. Yep. But it's like good to be selfish in that um, Yeah. In so, that way, I would say. So, so the reason that you felt like, it sounds like you felt like a fuck up, but that once again mm -hmm. is based on your perception of what's valuable and what isn't. Like yeah. you felt like a fuck up. You felt like you felt selfish and guilty for doing a low value thing instead of a high value thing. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing from you now, this is the, I tried to jot down your exact wordage because I thought it was, it was excellent. Trying to find value in activities throughout the day. That's fundamentally what I think has changed about you. Yeah. Is that what you've done is instead of having a standard 
of high value and low value and gravitating towards high value stuff. You tried to find value. And so instead of like your life being about ups and downs, like there's good stuff and there's bad stuff, there's horizontal value across the board. Mm -hmm. And so what it does is it allows you to do different kinds of activities, which sort of enriches your life overall. And what's happened to your success over the last two or three years? Um, well, I mean, in, in the last, yeah, in the last two or three months, since I've been, I guess, or like, I guess maybe five months, six months now. Yeah. It's, it just all went up. Like everything's just been better. So that's fucking weird, right? So like, if we think about you started <laughs> yep. moving away from the high value things and your success has improved. Yep. So this goes back to, and I'm convinced of this, Dom, because I've talked to a lot of people who've been very successful and, and what it basically is, is like, oh, I, I kind of, what I see in all of them or not all, I mean, all is a lot, but, you know, I think what I've observed Majority. in most of them is that yeah. most of them do essentially what you did, which is that they walk away from the high value stuff. So success, once again, comes away from walking away from good opportunities, not taking them. And oftentimes we think about good opportunities as like things that we really need to be doing and we beat ourselves up. Go ahead. You look. Okay. Well, no, I was just going to say, like, are the are the opportunities actually good if you're if like the better option is to walk away from them. Beautifully put, right? And, and th this is what's changed about your mindset because you used to think that there are good opportunities and there are bad opportunities. Mm -hmm. and, and now what I'm hearing from you is, is spot on. That's, like a, that's the next level comment is that when you look at an opportunity, it can look good on paper, but it doesn't mean that it's good for you. Mm -hmm. Right? And, yep. and that, that like... When we think about what someone says is a good opportunity, we're using some kind of objective or external criteria. And the whole point is that it's actually not a good opportunity, even though it looks like a good opportunity. If you ask a dozen streamers or a hundred streamers, would you consider, like if you have a successful viewership count delivering one kind of content, would you think about decreasing that content and trying something new? What are they going to say? I mean, I guess it depends on the streamer because I've ha I have had friends that have just like walked away from that. Um, but most people are just going to be like, "Yeah, that's just a, a dumb business decision." Like it's exactly just right, killing your career. So is exactly killing your career. That's walking away from a quote-unquote good opportunity, and they're all fucking wrong. So I yep. think that you you have your business acumen, which I'm sure you leverage to make a successful podcast. Right? It's not like you just mm -hmm. wake up one day and and you just decide to follow your heart. It's using yeah. all your business acumen, but not sacrificing the person that you are. Oh, of course. I still clickbait the fuck out of my podcast and Good. everything like that. Right? You know? So that's exactly what you have to do. So I'm not saying mm -hmm. you let go of that. It, it's about sort of not being a slave to that clickbait. It's about you being in charge of the clickbait instead of the clickbait being in charge of you. And used to Makes be sense. like, you know, if it's, if it's not clickbaitable, if I can't get more viewership, I'm not going to do it. And now you're saying like, okay, let me use my clickbaiting skills to do something that I love and try to make it successful and reach more people. Sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's been all working out. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really, really happy for you. Um, yeah. you. You have any thoughts or questions? I just I realize I've been kind of steering the conversation for a while. No, I mean, I guess my thoughts right now are... Um, I think the way that you've like spoken about things has given me like a better idea of just like categorizing certain things, like because like I've I've thought of, of a lot of the stuff, but I haven't really, you know, had a conversation with somebody where I was like, okay, assign value to other things throughout the day, which makes a lot of sense because I I um 
So I, this is going to sound weird, but I listened to like a, a rapper named J. Cole. I don't know if you know J. Cole, but he's a huge rapper. And he was talking about like kind of how he dealt with uh, he didn't really talk about depression, but he talked about something um, similar to it. Or I guess like how he got out of like a funk, I guess, is what what he said. And one of the things that, that he was talking about is assigning value to random things throughout the day. So like if he took out the trash, he would try to like be like, hey, this is like has a purpose and like. Like, I'm taking out the trash, and then when he was done with that task, he felt good about himself afterwards. Where before it would just be like, yeah, I just gotta fucking take out the trash. So I think that that is like kind of, that's like pretty accurate in what the like goal is of trying to just be happy. It's like assigning value to things, and then like when you've completed them, be allowing yourself to feel good about completing them. So beautifully put, Don. Because this kind of goes back to this idea that Taking out the trash is an activity. And most people think that taking out, out the trash is a chore. No one looks at taking out the trash as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is not actually the task which brings us happiness or unhappiness. It is our mm-hmm. attitude towards the task and the value that we're able to assign to it. That's yep. what I'm hearing from you. And that is something mm-hmm. that I think very, very, very few people understand. Because if you think about, like, how do we live our life? It's like, oh, go to college, get a job, get married, have kids. These are all things that we think about as, like, high-value tasks. And so we gravitate towards those things. And then what happens is you end up as my patient, which is, like, a 45-year-old investment banker who's very successful, has a million-dollar home, and, Mm -hmm. you know, makes tons of money every year and feels empty inside. Because what he has done is chase the high-value task time and time and time again. Instead of like, as cheesy as this sounds, following his heart, right? And so he, he dreads going to work every day, but he does yeah. it because it's, it's a good opportunity. And when he thinks about quitting, the idea is like, like terrifying to him. And he goes to his mentors and his bosses and his colleagues and he's like, hey, I'm thinking about quitting. And they're like, man, you're crazy. Like yeah. everyone wants to be like, uh, you know, a managing partner at Goldman Sachs and you're one step away. Like, mm-hmm. why would you walk away from this? It's such an amazing opportunity. Yeah. I think that's one of the opportunities that streaming has is, like, even though you will have, like, a certain um, audience that is keen to whatever content you've produced originally, I feel like you can kind of do whatever you want at the end of the day. Like, it, there is nothing that says, like, you have to, like, I don't have to just wake up and stream League of Legends every day. Like, I could do something else. Whereas, like, if you are an investment banker, it feels like you're kind of more pigeonholed into, like, like that is what your degree is in. Like you should be an investment banker at that point. Why? So why do you believe? To... Why do you believe that his situation is different from yours? Um, I guess because of like the amount of work he probably put in in like positioning himself within that field to 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 be like, successful. So his uh, like whatever college degree he ended up getting, I assume that he has to get a master's, potentially a PhD, like all those things to grind towards one goal. I feel like it kind of puts you in a um yeah more like limited how, how old are you dom if situation. you don't mind me asking 29 okay so i'm pretty sure that you have you have grind like four years ago or three years ago i'm pretty sure that the amount of grind that both of you had done was comparable or even yours is greater potentially right so i i i i don't i think that i guess i guess what i was pretty much aiming at was like my grind was essentially to like it sounds weird but it's like your grind is like to become popular on the internet where his grind was towards getting like qualifications to be able to perform whatever job he's doing now yeah and and so so i i think that you know this is something that i i understand your perception is that way i don't really agree 
So I think that okay. his capacity to become a streamer is about as high as your capacity to become an investment banker. But I think that like you can sort of do when you say you can do whatever you want, you can't really do whatever you want to. What you can do is move like one step laterally at a time within your field. Right. So mm-hmm. as you become an, like an, an influencer or streamer, you can start to create new content, but you're still a streamer, but you're just kind of moving laterally. And he's capable mm-hmm. of doing the same lateral move. So he can move from investment banking into venture capital. He can become an angel investor. He can become CFO, chief financial officer of like a company. Yeah. He can move that way. And, and that's basically what I did too. I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, a psychiatrist. And so I trained for many, many years to like understand psychiatry and neuroscience. Mm-hmm. And so I can't become a pro gamer, but I can sure as hell start talking to gamers about their mental health and how their mm-hmm. brain works. That's like yeah, a pretty no, big lateral step if you think about it, right? Yeah, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. You're definitely right about that. Yeah. And, and so I think, um, it, you know, as you understand the individual field, I think mm-hmm. everyone can make lateral changes. You can't jump from like A to Z, but you can definitely go from like A to D. And what I'm hearing from you is that you've branched out laterally. And I think this is also something that leads to a lot of success is when people start branching out laterally from their mm-hmm. like one thing. So to produce a podcast, I think, is like a fantastic idea, right? Because you're kind of, there's some of your core audience and then you're kind of appealing to like slightly different people. Um, you're kind mm-hmm. of expanding your base by offering a different kind of content. There are a lot of people like, so what percentage of League of Legends players have podcasts? Uh, not sure. Not sure. Very uh, small amount. Uh, exactly. Very right? small. So you're also yeah, differentiating yourself from your competition because there are lots of people who are, are League of Leg- Legends players. There are lots of pros, lots of streamers. It's a very popular game, but not mm-hmm. everyone has a podcast. So you're kind of enhancing your brand by kind of expanding that way. So I, I mean... I, yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy to, am I just talking too much? Because I'm excited. I no. love what I'm hearing. Okay. Is no, this making sense? No, I, uh, yeah, it's making perfect sense. I think it's helping. Um, for sure. Uh, how is it helping? I, I guess just like giving more definition to a lot of like the ideas I've had and like some reinforcement on certain ideas, um, some like new opinions on other ideas, like obviously like the what, what we just talked about, about like lateral movements within your field. I think that that's like something that I can definitely take and like apply to whatever I do next if I do something next. Um, or just like a different way to kind of um, think about what I am doing because I kind of just viewed it as like oh I'm doing different shit but it's better to think about it as like lateral moves um, within your field I think that's like a very like good idea yeah so um, I'm I'm happy it's helpful and I'm a little Mm -hmm. bit curious why does defining stuff help um I guess it's because then when I think about the concept I can kind of just like jump to things so instead of just thinking about like things in so many words in my head or just like I don't have to be like oh I moved from this to that and like legal like like I can just be like that's a lateral move within my field what's another idea like what so that's the concept right so then if I like can define the concept to me I think that it just will like help me apply it later on okay that makes sense makes a lot of sense Dom I'm gonna still push you a little bit okay Uh, so now what I'm gonna ask you to do is define how defining is helpful so um Right. So, you- I, so I so I think defining is helpful because it gives you like a mental framework in which you can like apply the concept to different things. What is different about problem solving with a mental framework versus problem solving without a mental framework? What does it do in your mind? I think it's like just like it's like driving when you have like directions. That's kind of how I see it. It's just like having a map to something. Okay, so this that's is going to sound kind of like it. a dumb question, but why mm-hmm. is driving with directions better than driving without directions? I, I guess it just makes you feel more like calm and stable while you're 
while you're driving. Like for me, like I'll just I'll, I'll feel better about it. Uh, so I'm sure you feel better about it, but I think if we mm-hmm. think about the like. Uh, Pardon me for saying so. I, I just don't think that that's really – that's a piece of it, but that's not the majority mm-hmm. of it, right? If I'm trying to get from point A to point B – It's just knowing where you're going. Exactly, right? right? It has nothing to do with okay. how I fucking feel. It's mm-hmm. about, like, knowing where you're going, right? Yeah. And and yeah, so, so this is where I'm going to pull – do you meditate, by the way? No. Okay. I tried – I've tried a couple times. I think that it's super high value, right? I just – I don't know. I, I feel like th- like I should. Meditate. Okay. So I feel like that's that's like a long. Can, can we can we save a little bit of time? I'd love to talk to you about meditation. If you're interested in learning, I'd love to help you try to problem solve about how you can mm-hmm. meditate in a way that feels comfortable for you. Yeah. And is helpful. So sure. I, I'm going to use a concept from meditation. So this is what I'm going to say. So if we think about getting from you know where you are to where your destination is, if you have a roadmap, it essentially focuses the effort of driving. Yep. Does that make sense? So instead of driving across 10 different roads, you pick the one road, and so all of your gas is spent on getting from point A to point B mm-hmm. instead of driving all over the place. What a mental yeah. framework does is essentially focuses your mental energy in a particular direction. And so if we listen to some of the language that you use, you felt like you were doing, quote, all kinds of random stuff. If I had to use a word to describe that, it would be unfocused. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that generally speaking, the reason that defining our problems is important is because we are all generally speaking pretty smart people and we have a high amount of mental energy. When a lot of people feel stuck, I think the, they start to feel stupid about themselves or they start to feel unhappy or whatever. And they start to think that like essentially their stats are too low, right? They think like, oh, I'm lazy or I'm undisciplined or I have low willpower. So their willpower mm-hmm. score is like a three instead of like an 18. And someone mm-hmm. looks at you and they say like, oh, wow, Dom is so successful. He's super disciplined. Do you think the reason that your success is because you're, you're disciplined? I thought I used to think a part of it was, but um, yeah, I, I don't think that that's a huge part of it anymore. What do you think I it guess. is? Um, I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not 100% sure. I think definitely there was there was some element of luck because I was in early and then um Hmm. I've never really thought about that. I don't know. I think it might I think it might be like I so I mean I I think it might be like uniqueness like because I was like I don't know. I was just more um vocal about my thoughts towards things and I was more just like harsh or like you know, I was very um, extreme, I guess, with, with my thoughts. I thought that that might have been part of, like, the reason why people wanted to listen. Like, even if they don't agree with me, the fact that I would say things that other people wouldn't say would just, like, gravitate them towards me. I'm not sure. Okay. So I, I think it's worth exploring, you know, to understand. So a lot of times we spend a lot of time, like, uh, understanding why we fail, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if you think about, like, if you're a law player— would you say that watching a replay where you lose or watching a replay where you win is more valuable? I mean, obviously watching yourself lose. Exactly, is right? valuable. Yeah. But let's think about that for a second. Because I, I don't think that that's actually true. Yeah, I, I, know, I know where you're going now. Tell yeah, me, where, that's, I'm, that's, where that's, am I going? Where am I going? So it's just kind of like watching yourself lose within like your career and analyzing that and trying to learn from that is going to give you like a better 
like it's going to help you grow more than like watching yourself be successful. And what do you think about that? Yeah, it's 100% right. That's definitely What's 100% yeah. right? That that you should be viewing like like when you take L's, you should be really trying to internalize like and grow from those as much as possible and use them as like opportunities for improvement rather than, you know, just feel bad about them. I completely agree with that. The other thing is the other point that I'm trying to make is that I think you can learn a lot from your W's as well. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that learning why you lose is just as important as learning why you win. And in fact, we mm-hmm. have a bias to focus on the losses. Mm-hmm. And instead, like what we should actually do is like like understand why we're winning. So when I think about, you know, when I talk to people, most people talk to me about their problems. But what I think is just as important is so they'll say, oh, I can't take out the trash. But I think what's just as important is have you ever taken out the trash? And the answer to that is yes. And then asking them what was different about that day, (laughs) right? So that you can study your successes just like you study your failures. And that if you really want to be successful, you should study your failures and successes and understand why on, on one day you make the right choice and on another day you make the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so anyway, I, I think studying your successes is actually very important. And I think for, for us, like digging into why you've been successful, I want to come back to one word, which is uniqueness. So I think luck is also mm-hmm. an important word, and I think there's a lot behind these. And, and I think the reason that uniqueness is important is for, from what I'm hearing from you is that you allowed yourself to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say so. But right? It definitely bit me in the ass. Uh, sure. And a decent amount as well. That's, that's part of the learning process. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, I think a lot of people are held back because they have a formula for success, which is based on the high value things and the low value things. And they gravitate towards the high value things because they think that this is an external formula for success. Because this is what allowed Dom to be successful. This is what allowed Dr. K to be successful. So I have to do what they did in order to be successful. And this kind of circles back to the good opportunities, right? So they say like, oh, I need, like if I take a good opportunity, that's sort of this objective idea of like good for everyone. It's like a universal ranking. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you is that you allowed yourself to be yourself. And I think that a mm-hmm. lot of success comes from people, instead of following someone else's playbook, understanding that your life is fundamentally different, that your circumstances are fundamentally different, and that you are fundamentally different from any human being who has ever existed. You know, no yep. one has been a, a, a former pro of LOL five years ago named Dom who produces a podcast, that you have a fully unique circumstance in life. And that the more that you base your strategy on your unique circumstance, the more, like, the better off you're going to do. Like, does that just logically make yeah. sense? But, yeah. but the crazy thing is that's not what people do, right? Like, what do most people do to try to be successful, Dom? They funnel themselves into whatever mold has been created by other people that have been successful. Exactly. And, and so if we really look at your success, it sounds like you sort of found your own way to being a pro law player. And then you also funneled yourself into a mold based on other people, which is you became the former pro who became a streamer. Mm-hmm. And you found some success. And it sounds like a lot of your enjoyment for the first year or two afterward because you had made it, right? And you're just yeah. coasting and enjoying the fruits of your labor, which absolutely makes sense. But ultimately, yep. those kinds of pleasurable activities that are really cool are not going to lead to your sustained happiness. It's essentially like material pursuits. Agree or disagree? No, I agree. Yeah. 
And then now what you're doing is living a life that is dharmic. Dharma is the Sanskrit word for duty or responsibility. And I think mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're living a life of like duty to yourself and to other people. What do you think about that? Does that make sense? Mm. I think it almost sounds like too pure for, for what I'm doing, but uh, I, I agree with like the overall yeah. concept. Yeah. It just sounds like a little too pure for, for me, just knowing myself. Makes, you know? makes a lot of sense. So the, the uh, dharma is not actually as pure as people think it is. It sounds pure, okay. but it's just a really fucking bumpy road. Right. So it's okay. like it's like you're but you're living a life that I think you find fulfilling and is aligned with the person that you are. You're mm-hmm. noticing that you have certain advantages and unique qualities and you're like turning those advantages and unique qualities into like opportunities. And the world is kind of like meeting you halfway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to just pause once again because I'm kind of at the end of a train of thought and I've kind of been monologuing for a little while so just give you a chance like any thoughts questions um thoughts or questions i don't know i feel like like as we've been going most of my questions have been answered like i've just felt pretty like free to be able to just interject with whatever i was thinking during cool. it so i don't have any like overall thoughts that i haven't already stated um so uh, what would you like to do so we could do a couple of things next let me just see how we're doing on time okay so we've been talking for just a little under an hour um, I'm mm-hmm. happy to continue talking for a little bit longer or even way longer if you want to. So I tend to stream sure. for about 45 more minutes. So Perfect. there are a couple of things that we can do. Um, one is we can we can talk about meditation if you're curious. We can talk about uh, why, why people are toxic and why you used to be toxic and what's changed. Or we can well, talk... I, I think I would still be qualified as toxic. You know? Okay. I think I've, I've, Good. But, um, yeah, I would like to talk about that. I think that that would be interesting. Yeah, so tell me about toxicity. I mean, I guess I, for me, it seems to like start at frustration. So like the more frustrated you are, the more toxic you'll be. Um, and just in general, I guess, um, like being able to like handle that frustration well is something that I still struggle with. Like even if I'm not typing to my teammates anymore recently, I still am thinking what I'm saying or, sure. or, I'm, or I'm still thinking and saying like what my issue is constantly so i guess like trying to to that's one thing that's really hard for me is like having a more positive mindset towards like even like in-game doomed situations like when you know you are like stuck in a negative situation like how to find positivity in those moments because it just for me it just feels like almost like a waste of time Mm -hmm. so trying to like find value within that i think is something that i've struggled with which is like why i consider myself toxic so you consider yourself toxic because you have even though you don't speak toxically anymore, you still think toxic to- thoughts. You say toxic mm-hmm. things, and you have a bleak outlook on the circumstances of the game. Yes. And ha- what does a non-toxic person do in your situations? How are they different? Um, I think that they're just like more okay, just like giving their best effort, and then not really caring about the result as much. So if they like, they're they. I think they're they're better at like finding value within situations that could be like unwinnable so if like they view it as like hey this is a this is a loss guaranteed they can still find something to like learn in the game but for me i think that i'm at this point i'm very um attached to the to the result um and if the result is negative it seems like my, like all my thoughts are negative towards myself and like my teammates do you watch in our games. streams i do okay 
I've, but I haven't watched like every stream in, sure. entirely. I think the only one that I watched completely was the Destiny one. I found that one very interesting. No, it's, it's okay. Um, I was just a little bit curious about some of the dialogue you use because it's the same dialogue that I use. And I uh, was curious um, about... Yeah, I do, but yeah, I, I definitely okay. do watch your streams. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think... Because it's weird because usually when I ask a, a people a question about toxicity... I expect them to not have the answer articulated so well right away. Maybe that's because I'm underestimating who you are and what you've discovered. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting because I, I think that's basically, I would agree with you 100%, right? And, mm-hmm. and so maybe that's my arrogance. But I, I think it's, it also kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about mm-hmm. you know taking out the trash, right? So it sounds like the barrier of where your growth is is mm-hmm. you have learned how to find value in things that you, you've changed the way that you look at value when it comes to everything except for actually playing a, a game of League of Legends. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes much. to playing LOL, um, yep. you, you know, you're really good at like finding value, like, like discovering value in what you used to perceive as low value opportunities, like going out with friends. Mm-hmm. When it comes to fucking LOL. Yeah. I find like no value in it if I'm losing pretty much. Yeah. So, so let's think a little bit about how to help you find value in that. So Mm -hmm. that once again, so I'm sure that I could logically tell you and that you could logically convince yourself that even in a losing game, there's something to be learned. Of course. Right. So what is, what, how do you as a whole person respond to that logical argument? I don't know if that question makes Um, sense. Like if I, I guess I guess so for for me the reason why I'm frustrated is I just feel like I'm not going to be learning enough to satisfy the negative experience that I'm feeling. Like it's it's not worth being pissed off and frustrated for that amount of time to to get whatever like small little like positive piece of information that I could get out of the game. Yep. So so I think this comes down to and maybe we can kind of come full circle. You know, mm-hmm. playing a losing game can can have a positive impact or it can have a negative impact and it comes entirely to your attitude so why do you get so pissed off in league of legends um i think that just inherently it's a frustrating game i mean you've, you I, I know yeah. a lot of the time you use dota references sure. right so it's the same type of situation yeah. where where at the end of the day right like you're only 10 percent of the game right you're one out of 10 players in the game so so often you're gonna have like other people determine the outcome instead of you right like you can always push your team a little bit up a little bit down but overall it's going to be based on like the performance of other people and not yourself enemies and um teammates for the situation so i think it's just like an inherently frustrating experience also there's um in the game i play like i know dota has voice comms there's no voice comms in this game so there's almost no communication between oh interesting league of legends doesn't have voice communication yeah yeah it doesn't have voice communication so huh for me, it's it's very frustrating because I like I obviously played a lot of team play. Like I scrimmed with a team. I played professionally for years. Where I just feel like it's so much of an of a better game to play. It's so much of a better experience where you're able to just communicate with your teammates. So, for example, in like the rare occurrences where I've been able to like find five people and get them on Discord together, and we've talked, it's even if you lose, it's almost always a better experience when you when you can like hear people talk like if somebody dies and they're like hey my bad like uh shit i like fucked up like whatever that always makes me feel better than whatever people type like i think that people are just more human over voice communication than they are over like text so 
so yeah. so how do you view people when you're not able to communicate with them like how do you actually think about a league of legends play? i don't even view them as like people absolutely like, right like, Fucking they're not they're not even people to me at that ma- point it's mouth like, breeder neanderthals well i mean they're just they're just like yeah they're just whatever character just it is. complete just, complete yeah, waste of space yep. yeah, just just toxic ass bots right <laughs> yep pretty much jesus yeah, yeah, man, I, I know. So, you know, having played a MOBA myself, so I started playing Dota maybe like 10 or 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And and absolutely, man, you just completely dehumanize them, right? Yep. And it's kind of interesting because, like, when you dehumanize people, like, your experience gets worse. Yeah, and it's easier to also be toxic to them because, like, you don't view the, like, you don't really, like, view the impact of your words as meaningful because you don't view them as meaningful. Yeah. So. You know, what you're describing kind of reminds me of, like, breaking an inanimate object when you're frustrated. Like, Mm -hmm. if I, I like, you know, if I step on a toy and I Mm -hmm. get angry, like, I'm going to pick up the toy and I'm just going to fucking throw it into the river. And and it's kind of like you can just unload on it because it's just this fucking thing that's making your life worse and it's annoying and it's bad and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Agreed. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, we can, it's interesting because I think you're doing a good job of actually, I mean, I feel like I'm learning a lot about the nature of toxicity and just how much of the toxicity comes from, uh, you know, the dehum like it's the dehumanization and that when you're dealing mm-hmm. with humans, it's harder to be toxic. What do you, do, do you think that that sort of translates, like, why are people toxic on, like, on your stream? Like, why are your, your viewers toxic? You said that um, there are always some people who are just going to be, like, so, looking for... So, uh, like, I'll, I'll go and say this. I think that League of Legends viewers are innately toxic. Like, it's just because of the experience of the game, and also I think that they dehumanize you to some point. So if you go to, like, any League of Legends stream, I think you're going to find some degree of negativity. Yep. Unless you... Um... Why? Uh, I just... I think that it's just because people see only your perspective, and... They're not, and, and like they'll, I guess, over prioritize or under prioritize things you're doing and not really be able to see the full picture of what's going on. Also, I don't think that people are as focused on what's going on as the person playing most of the time. Like when you're watching a stream, you're just like, oh, I saw you make one mistake. So that invalidates your criticism of the team because you're making mistakes too. And they have this like arbitrary system of all the, all mistakes are equal, all situations are equal like that. I'm not sure. I think that's it's also that, and then also, like, if you're more negative, if you're more frustrated yourself, I think people feed off that because they're like, hey, this guy's already pissed off. I can get a bigger reaction out of him, like, if I am negative than if I am positive based on, like, how he is right now. Yeah, so I, I think you bring up a good point about sort of, like, you know, they don't look at the whole picture. What I'm kind of curious about is why does someone watch a Twitch and try to get a bigger reaction out of you? Like, what's that about? Hmm. I guess it's just like feeling the connection with the streamer. Like if you can get them to react negatively or positively, I feel like they feel like they've influenced you in some way. They feel more um, like part of the stream, I guess, or they feel like it's a more real experience. And then also, I guess part of it is also like just <laughs> just doing it for humor, doing it for their own self gratification. Yeah. You know, so it's what? Like, it's fun. Like it's funny to make somebody else angry. It's funny for everyone else. When I'm angry, it's funny for everyone else except for me, feels like, most of the time. Yep. So let's just think about that for a second, okay? What's mm-hmm. up with that? Why is it funny for some human beings? 
you know, to make other human beings angry. Like, why do we enjoy I mean, ruining yeah, someone's ask, life? I feel like just ask Twitch chat and you'll get, you'll get a better response and you'll get out of me. Uh, yeah, so um, that, that's why I, I really wish I could look at Twitch chat right now, but I can't because I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm on a laptop and my potato setup, but. Um, I mean, I, I'm reading a lot of your comments because we are sadistic as fuck uh, yeah, to so feel the good about is, ourselves, to the, make them mauled. Like, I don't know. So, so the question is why, right? Like, why, are, why is Twitch chat, like, what, what are we tapping into? Because I, I, I think it's not, I don't think that human beings are inherently bad. I do think mm -hmm. that trolling comes from a very genuine place deep with inside, deep inside us, right? I would love to hear your take on this. And, and, but the question is why? Like, why do we troll other humans and what is it about us? And if we kind of think, if we kind of, I'll, I'll kind of give you sort of a little bit of a hint, which is that what influences your toxicity, right? So what within you creates your toxicity? Um, I guess part of it is like not being able to like fully express my skill. So like if you're losing really hard, right? And I know that there's nothing I can do to win, like, no matter if I play, like, perfectly. I think that not being able to, like, show people how good I am really, like, fucks with me. So I don't know if that's insecurity or what that is, but, like, that's really frustrating. That's a super frustrating so, thing. It's, like, Beautiful. Yeah. So let me ask you something. Do you think that the majority of people on Twitch chat are able to fully express their value as human beings? Mm, probably not. I would assume that they're dealing with whatever same same situation whatever life they have yeah so do you think that the majority of people who are toxic on stream are what do you think what do you think about can you have any idea of how they feel about themselves i mean I, I, i'm not sure right because i would want to say yeah they probably like a lot of it is like projection where people are feeling shitty about themselves so they want to make somebody else feel shitty but I, I know that there's just people that, that aren't like that necessarily. Good. So I don't want you to give me the right answer. I want you to give me the answer of your heart. And the answer of your heart is that it's more complicated. That some people are just fucking mm -hmm. trolls. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing from you. Is that <laughs> yep. there's supposed to be this right psychological answer, but honestly, some of us are just fucking trolls. And we're yeah. just toxic human beings. I agree with you 100%. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think that there's, there's just something fundamentally human schadenfreude you know what that word means it's grown a lot recently but no so schadenfreude is the german word for getting pl deriving pleasure out of like the pain of others so it's not quite okay. sadism but it's basically why trolls do what they do right so, okay and I, I think that too is like fundamentally human i don't think it has to be a deep psychological conflict but i i do wonder a little bit about i mean so one so i do think that you hit on something with about fully expressing your skill. So I think that there's, if we think about what makes you satisfied in life, you know, what we were saying earlier about the podcast is like, why is the podcast satisfying to you? Because it's not about viewership. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end I have like a body of work that I'm proud of. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you can look at this mm -hmm. and you can say, I made this, this is me. This is actually an accurate representation mm -hmm. of who I am. I can look at a piece of work that I have produced and I can say that this fully expresses my skill in this moment. And you can derive satisfaction from that. You can be fully yourself and you can create something of yourself and you can derive value of it, out of it. Mm -hmm. That has nothing yep. to do with how people perceive you. Has nothing to do with how many people watch your podcast. 
It has nothing to yep. do with what kind of criticism you get. It's just about your internal feeling of being able to express your skill. And mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, what you said makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people are toxic online because they can't, fo- they don't have a place to do that. And so they mm-hmm. feel frustration. And then they also find a place where they can vent their fr- frustration. And like you also said, I think that allows them to feel connected. Um, yeah. The other thing that I, I just like to point out is you were saying earlier that, that your toxicity originally, you said, comes from a sense of frustration. So yeah. I've also found that most people who are angry are hurt. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Um, I'd agree to some extent. So this is like kind of like most of the psychiatrists like go into like my past or whatever. And one thing that one of them said that made sense was, so I dealt with like a lot of, uh, just like bad experiences early in my life. One of them was, um, so like, this is going to sound way worse than it is. So I, I was physically abused by my dad, but it wasn't ever like, it, it was sometimes like he would lose control, but I never was scared of my dad. I never didn't love my dad. It was just like, I knew that when he was triggered, like I could trigger him. And I knew that if I triggered him, like the result would be, I was get fucked up. Right. So, um, I dealt with that. And then I also, uh, I got robbed at gunpoint when I was like 19. So pretty much a lot of the, or the psychiatrist that I talked to kind of formed that as like, I have a problem when people are like hurting me and I don't, and I'm not able to like stand up to it or I'm not able to fight it. So they're kind of tying that into like maybe how I am um, with like comments affecting me or um, like in this type of situation, frustration, because like if people are saying mean things to me online, I can't do anything to stop them saying like mean, I could mute them, but I can't actually do anything about it. So it's like a feeling of just like not being able to um, deal with the situation. So I think that that makes some sense, but I wasn't completely bought in, but um, tell me about yeah. your skepticism. Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure why I just feel like it, it's just not true, but just like it just in hmm. I actually would have to think. I would have to think more about it. So so so, so. I, I want you to try to reconceptualize. Maybe this will is it mm-hmm. okay if we try to think through that together or you don't want to have this conversation? We just No, together. no, I am fine having this conversation. So, so I it, I I don't think that um I don't think what they said is not true. I think what they said is much like what I say on stream, simplistic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it feels more incomplete to me than untrue. Mm-hmm. What do you think okay. about that? Yeah, I think that there's definitely truth within there. Like, I definitely don't like when people are hurting me and I can't do anything about it. Sure, no like, one does. But I feel like most people, yeah, I feel like most <laughs> people don't, right? Yeah, like no one does. Who, who would? So, yeah. I, I don't know if my feeling of that is more extreme because of experiences I've had in my life, though. That's where I'm, like, kind of lost. Like, I just I just feel like it's it's something that like psychiatrists want to, or like the, at least the psychiatrist I, I talked to, it just felt like she wanted to find like a reason behind, sure. like a reason in my early childhood. I feel like that's a lot of what it is, like a reason yep. in your early childhood, why that shaped you to be a certain way. Yeah. And and what I'm hearing from you is that they may, that may have influenced it, but that we're missing something. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, so definitely. when we think about like Reddit mischaracterizing you, mm-hmm. we can sort of say like, oh, like this is, this is what we do in, in the psychiatry. 
we do yeah. like the Sigmund Freud one, <laughs> and we kind mm-hmm. of say, oh, the, the people on Reddit and the Twitch chat is your father, yeah. and they are hitting you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And we like to <laughs> yeah, draw yeah, the yeah. connections, and we mm-hmm. say, oh, that's wonderful. It's so beautiful. It's, I mean, it's not yep. beautiful, but we are enamored with the analytical part of it. Yep. But it sounds Definitely. like it's incomplete, right? So like, yep. like it, when Reddit mischaracterizes you, I, I think it actually is quite different. And let me tell you why. So mm-hmm. when your dad, it sounds like when, when he used to hit you, mm-hmm. you sort of understood that like the weather. Like it didn't actually, I'm not hearing that it evoked that much emotion in you. It was kind of like you knew. Yeah. Well, I always felt like I did it myself. You know, like I knew, I, I think I was smart enough as a kid to identify like, when I was doing things that were going to get me, like like when I was triggering my dad, like I understood when I was triggering him fully. So I felt like I had a decent amount of control over the situation in that respect. So it's not like, I guess that's part of, I guess, I guess this kind of ties into what you were saying before. Like, why do I think it's completely not true? It's because I did feel like I had some level of control. I felt like I could say certain so, things like, like if I said to my dad, I don't love you anymore, something like that, like the kids say to their parents, right? Like I would get hit. Yeah, so, so actually... Actually, Dom, this sounds very different from to me. So I think we're talking about two mm-hmm. different things. Because when I think about what you're describing, you have agency mm-hmm. in the situation with your dad. Yeah. Right? What mm-hmm. I'm hearing about Reddit and LOL is actually the exact opposite. Yeah. That you have no power to change what yeah, you're I guess saying that's, about. Yeah, so that's, so that's what I'm trying to say. Is like that's, the, that's where I think that there is like... Well, I do think I have some degree of power, but I just think that it's... It's it, really hard. It feels different to me. It feels like we're talking about two different things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I guess. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Have you had, because we are, we, are, we are going to talk about childhood. Yeah. So have you had a period, like has something happened to you that you remember where you felt really, really unable to alter other people's opinions of you? Um, where people case, judged you or treated you a certain mm-hmm. way and you couldn't do anything about it? When I was a child or now, or what exactly? Anytime. Um, Where you were mischaracterized. Uh, judged. I'm not sure. I, don't, I think I think maybe I was mischaracterized a little bit by my parents, but I think that that's, like, normal. Um, just in, in terms of, like, just, like, what I was good at, you know, like, it always kind of was like, oh, you're just, like, you're not... A hard worker because you don't work hard in school but i felt like i was always a hard worker at things that i cared about right so like when Excellent. i was when i was in high school like when i had a, my first girlfriend you know i felt like i put a lot into the relationship because i cared about her and i cared about that experience um when i you know would play sports i cared a lot about the results of my team so i, I felt like i was i'm able to, to work hard i just don't have the capability to work hard about things i don't care about is what i would i would say mm. yeah so i think that that makes sense does that is the way that when they told you that, do you mm-hmm. f- did you feel the way that when they judged you in that way, did you feel the way mm-hmm. that you do when someone posts yeah. something on Reddit and mischaracterizes you? Yeah, it's like the whole like you don't actually get me or you're like missing the point type thing. Yeah, and is there is there been a particular time where it's not so much about them abusing you, but them like missing the point? Like, has someone is there been a, a time in your life where? you felt like it was really important for someone to like understand you and they missed the point. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess with, with the whole Reddit situation, that's pretty much mainly what it is. Yeah. You know? Like, I feel, I feel like it's like, okay, you can overfocus on, like, the, it's like, I said mean things, true, but, like, the problem that I'm dealing with, like, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at, like, the overall concept is just, like, not being attacked. It's like, I'm just being attacked as a person because mm. of what I said. So, yeah, so are, are you still seeing a therapist or psychiatrist? No, okay. no, I'm not. So one thing to just think a little bit about um, mm-hmm. is that, so first of all, I, I agree with, so I, I trust your sentiment that, you know, if you feel like what the psychiatrists say, which if we had talked about it, I likely would have come to the same conclusion because we're trained to think in a particular way. Mm-hmm. I trust you though, in the sense that I've come to trust what people believe about themselves, irrespective of how brilliant my hypothesis mm-hmm. and formulation is. If it doesn't fit with you, I think it's just wrong. I think ultimately okay. you are the judge, jury, and executioner of knowing what is right mm-hmm. and what is wrong. And as knowledgeable or as studied as I am, I, you know, I don't fucking, I don't live your life, so I can't know. I can't really know. Yeah, yeah I mean, so just to clarify, like, I didn't stop going to the psychiatrist because I felt like it wasn't useful. I think that it was just kind of like I understood what I wanted to do. Like, it was kind of like, a, okay, yeah. you told, you gave me a bunch of information. I'm going to try to like apply that to my life. And then like, it's not like I can just see them every week and that's going to drastically change. It's like, I need to actually have some time to live my life differently. Sure. And then based off that, like, I still plan on potentially seeing her like yeah. again at some point. It's just, I just wanted to like kind of work on the stuff. It's like, it's almost like information overload. It's like, okay, you've given me like all this stuff to do. It takes a while to like set it up. I set it up. I feel better now. So I probably should go back at some point. Like even when I'm in a positive mental state, like I don't feel like I only need to go there when I'm not feeling well. But, um, yeah, just like, I kind of just wanted to work on things myself and just see the results. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. I, at the same time, I didn't get the perception. I mean, it sounded to me like (laughs) you had three to four sessions that were very useful. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I thought she was very good. The reason, the reason that you stopped going was not because you were fixed or that it wasn't helping, but just because like you got a lot out of it and you needed to apply it to your life. And and so the, the reason I kind of asked you is because I think if you go back or when you go back, um, mm-hmm. then you should consider sort of exploring this aspect. And instead of attributing it to, you know, you being powerless against Reddit, it mm-hmm. sounds like, like your dad is actually a different situation because you felt like in a sense you were in control and maybe that's yes. also why you said, yes. you know, it was, you made an interesting disclaimer, which is this sounds way worse than it is, which is weird for someone to say when they talk about getting hit. But, um, yeah, it's because, I guess it's because normally when I hear like other things, it's like, they actually feel like their parents don't love them or their parents are like alcoholics and do it. And like, they just like, they live in fear all the time. Like yeah. I never le- lived in fear of my dad. Yeah. Like, I so- never thought that he was like just gonna hit me randomly it was always like if we get into a conversation we get into like an argument and i say certain things i can like like it would i think that part of it was just like being like manipulative like as a kid like i i understood that like if my mom sees my dad hit me i'm automatically right in the argument you know it's like oh then it's suddenly you never hit the kid like it's just that this whole thing so i think that i was kind of like me being like you know, like being a little shit. So, you know? so, so I, th- I think that what I'm hearing from you is that what makes it not as bad as it sounds is that it sounds like you actually had a fair amount of control and power in yeah. that relationship, despite being physically weaker. Yes. And that yes. a lot of times when people are in abusive situations, part of the most damaging part is not necessarily phys- the physical abuse, but mm-hmm. the lack of power or control in the relationship. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Which I didn't feel like. I actually felt like I had power. Like that. Yeah, yeah that's that's the thing. It's like I felt like I had power even though he was hitting me. Yeah. So that sounds completely opposite of of the situation on Reddit. Which... I guess. So I guess. I guess <laughs> that now that we've like talked it through more, that's why I don't agree with that. Yep. Discussion because it it is just different inherently. Yeah, I completely yeah. oh, agree. That's, that's really useful. Yeah. yeah pretty so, good at what you do, I guess. It, <laughs> well, it helps to have someone who's very insightful and pays attention. So I. I didn't hear you because the, it cut out, but... Oh. I, I said I, it, it I, helps I to I have someone who's insightful and pays attention. Mm-hmm. Well, um, try my best. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And um, so so I was just going to say, I think if you visit uh, that psychiatrist again, I think it's worth mm-hmm. exploring that dichotomy, right? That, like, actually, the feeling with your dad is very different from the feeling with Reddit. And if we ever yeah. do a follow-up and you want to talk more about that, we can talk more about that, but... Um, yeah, sure. one, one thing that I, I mean, cause also it sounds like you had a kind of a, a, a little bit of a light bulb there. So fantastic. So you can play with that, you know, work with it, do whatever you want to. I wanted to just yeah. give you, I just, uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity if you're interested to learn a little bit about meditation and that maybe we could meditate together before we wrap up. We don't have to, um, mm-hmm. but I just want to make sure we have enough time for that if you're interested. Sure. Yeah. I, I would, I would love to like have some you know, direction with meditation. So tell me a little bit about your experience of meditation so far. Uh, it's very, very limited. So like I took a yoga class um, a while back and we would do meditation. So, I mean, I like, I understand like the having like correct posture, sitting up, trying to like concentrate on your breathing and just like, like trying not to think. Like I, I just always end up thinking about something the entire time. Tr- trying not to think? Well, I guess, I guess that, yeah, that was kind of how I understood it is like, you kind okay. of want to let like your mind like rest or something, or you want to just, yeah, maybe I'm wrong about this, but you are, kind you of are wrong. I think that's why you're having okay. difficulty. All right. So we perfect. can fix that. Um, because awesome. trying not to think if you're trying not to think you're doing it wrong and you're never going to be successful. And, mm-hmm. and most people, it's a very, very, very common misconception, but you okay. can't try not perfect. to think. Trying not to mm-hmm. think is going to be the opposite of what meditation is. So uh, let's start there. So when you're trying not to think, I, um, are you are you creating tension or relaxation within your mind? Uh, tension, definitely. Absolutely, you're right? actively trying not to think. Yeah. And so, so what are you doing within your mind? What kind of tension? What's on the two sides? Like, so tension implies like pulling or conflict between two sides what are on the two mm. sides of the tension uh i guess just like you're naturally thinking and then you're telling yourself don't do that exactly so like, right so you're fighting yeah. with yourself mm-hmm. so as long yeah. as you're fighting within yourself you're never going to be able to meditate in fact Perfect. it is the very opposite because what you're doing is you're fueling more thoughts mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah so i want you guys to understand that Energy in the mind produces thoughts. And thoughts in the mind produce energy. So if we think about, you said that, that you've, you've been diagnosed with panic disorder. So mm-hmm. for example, when you're panicking, is your mind super energetic or low energy? Oh, it's super, super energetic. Absolutely, right? And is yeah. there, is, or, it, it, when you're panicking, is there tension within your mind? Or are there parts of your mind, mind that are fighting? Oh yeah, no, it's it's all a fight. Like for me, it was just always like, because uh, my main symptom was like breathing. Like mm-hmm. I just felt like I couldn't breathe, so it's just constantly like, like, 
like okay no you are breathing you're definitely breathing and then like the other side is like no you're not breathing like something's seriously wrong with you like you're gonna fucking die do something yeah that is so 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 would you say that oftentimes in panic disorder when you were panicking you were actually trying not to think certain thoughts yeah definitely right so let's just think about that for a second. While you're in a panic attack, you are trying not to think certain thoughts. And your mm-hmm. goal in meditation is to try not to think certain thoughts. Okay, yeah. So, it's a, yeah, so that's the problem. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So what okay. you're actually doing is the same mode of activity. So if we think about the mechanics of the mind, you're doing the same mode of activity as a panic attack. I'm not saying that it's actually the same as a panic attack. What I'm saying is if we tunnel down into like the function of what your mind is doing, it's that you're creating energy, panic attacks are high energy, you're trying not to think certain things. So it's actually very similar to a panic attack, which is why it hasn't worked for you, mm-hmm. right? Because essentially you're yeah. like sort of doing the same thing as a panic attack. So what we actually want to do <laughs> is, mm-hmm. is um, so this is also good because, I mean, a lot of times I, I really struggle when people are meditating right because then it's hard to teach them. But if they're doing yeah. something colossally wrong, and I say this with love, Dom, because at this point I have some genuine affection for you, you're doing it colossally mm-hmm. wrong. So that, that's actually Perfect. pretty good. Because no, it's, it's also better for me. Like, yeah. if, so, if I was so, doing it right, it would be more confusing. Exactly. So the, the, the first thing is to try to not try to think. Or try, okay. not try, try not to try not I to think. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right? So essentially what we need to do, I want you to so think don't about... don't try not to think. Yeah. And, and so, okay. but that too is trying. So you can yeah, do that as okay. much as you want to, and that's still going to create tension. So, mm-hmm. so what we actually need to do is, is stop the trying entirely. And what mm-hmm. we need to do is try to relax. You can't try to relax. That's the other thing. You've ever had mm-hmm. trouble falling asleep? You're like, man, I just really need yep. to relax and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And what does that do? Does that let you sleep? No. <laughs> it's the opposite, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is, is train you how to let go. And mm-hmm. there are two ways that we can do that. We can either directly try to train you how to let go, but you seem to me to be a trier. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're a trier. So I think it's a, a big part of your, your cognitive fingerprint, so the, way, the unique way that your mind works. For those of you who are interested in Ayurveda, um, uh, Dom has a lot of pitta. Have you watched anything about Ayurveda? You know? No. Okay. So you can even see it in his name, right? So I will dominate is pitta. So you have a fiery mind. It's about mm-hmm. domination, suppression, argument, trying, effort, passion, conflict. Like that's where you excel. Creation. It's like mm-hmm. a very, very active mind. So I think what we actually need to do is direct your mind. So we mm-hmm. need to have, we need to give you, we don't want to try to not think. We want so to give you something. To, to focus on? Exactly. We want to okay, direct perfect. your thinking. Because mm-hmm. this too, it sounds like what you, you benefit, I mean, your, your intellect is actually quite profound and you're very easily able to take information and direct your thinking in a new way. And, and what I want you to do is just, if you go back and watch the VOD, that's basically what mm-hmm. we've been doing for an hour and a half. Like when you talk Perfect. about reframing, right? Like in mm-hmm. looking at things in a new way, giving your, your mind a frame, why does your mind thrive with a frame? Because then you can focus your energy in one way. So frame allows you to focus your energy. And what you're really good at is actually focusing your energy. Okay. Right? So what we need to do for you to meditate is give you something that focuses the full attention of your mind. Do okay. you Perfect. Do, do you have um, a reluctance to use a breathing technique? Um, no. Okay. No. Um, 
I use breathing techniques to help my panic disorder. It's one of the things I do. So did. what kind of breathing have you done? Um, just like really standard into the nose, out through the mouth, deep breaths, like that type of thing. Okay. So I want to give you something that is going to be mentally taxing. Okay. Perfect. So what we want to do for you to be able to meditate, what we need is for the energy of your mind not to be built up through tension, but through dissipate through effort. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're going to, we can try a couple of things. Okay. So I'm going to just, I got to sit across the leg. To be so, it's, so, it's, so is it going to be like more complicated breathing techniques Absolutely. that require more attention? Absolutely. Okay. okay I understand. We're going to try to complicate you to the extent of what you can handle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. And, and um, so the first, uh, uh, so if you've watched streams before, you got to let me know if you've tried this at home. Okay. So the first thing that I'm going to try to teach you is something called triphasic breathing. So it's a mm-hmm. relatively somatic experience and it should mm-hmm. be like cognitively a little bit burdensome. Okay. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to do is sit up straight and close your eyes. <laughs> do you know how to belly breathe? Uh, yes. Okay. So what I yeah, want... Like uh, with your diaphragm? Yes. Thing? So the first okay, thing that I want it. you to do, so I, and I'm going to just teach other people, so I want everyone at home to do this too, okay? So close your eyes, mm-hmm. and I want you to breathe with your belly. And what that means is when you breathe in, expand your stomach, kind of push your abdomen out, and when you breathe out, contract your belly and pull in. And what you can do is kind of focus on your navel, your belly button. And when you breathe in, imagine your belly button moving away from your spine. And when you breathe out, pull your belly button in towards your spine. Try to decrease the distance between your belly button and your spine as you breathe out. And so what you should feel is your belly moving out during inhalation and your belly moving in during exhalation. And we're going to go ahead and do that for about 15 seconds before the next step. And really try to focus on your abdomen as you breathe. Try to expand it to its fullest. Now, Dom, what I want you to do is as you breathe in and as you breathe out, try to minimize the movement of your chest. So try to keep it as localized in the abdomen as possible. You may feel some chest expansion or contraction, that's okay. But really try to direct all of your breath into the abdomen and minimize the chest. We'll do this for about 15 to 20 seconds.
And now we move to step two. So after you fully breathe in with your belly, I want you to pause for a second and then try to expand your chest and breathe in even more while keeping your belly still. So full breath into the belly, extra breath with the chest in sequence. And then go ahead and exhale and relax both. Good. Practice that. Full in with the belly first. The second phase of breathing is expansion of the chest. And then relaxation. We'll do this for 15 seconds. Another five seconds. And now the next step. I want you to break down the exhalation the same way you break down the inhalation. So breathe in with the belly, expand the chest, hold the belly still, contract the chest, then breathe out the rest of the way through the belly. So now we have four discrete steps to the practice. Phase one, breathe in with the belly. Phase two, breathe in with the chest. Phase three, relax the chest. Phase four, relax the belly. And you should feel a little bit of a stop between each phase. We're going to do this for 15 seconds. And now we're going to do phase three. Expand the belly, expand the chest, hold for a moment, and then push your shoulders up as you expand just a tiny bit more. So belly out, chest out, shoulders up, and now exhale all together. Breathe in with the belly, breathe in with the chest, raise your shoulders and breathe in a tiny bit more. And then relax all three. Good. In with the belly. Expand the chest. Raise the shoulders. And then out. Continue at your own pace for about 15 seconds. Now we're going to tie it all together. So we're going to segment our exhalation in the opposite of our inhalation. So in with the belly, uh, sorry, expand the belly, expand the chest, raise your shoulders, really like hunch them up a little bit to get as much in as you can, and then relax the shoulders first, bring them down, contract the chest, let it relax, and then the third phase is move your navel towards your spine. So in a third, in a third, in a third, out a third, out a third, out a third. And we're going to practice for 30 seconds.
I want you to do three more rounds, three more breaths. And after the third round, I want you to just sit, relax, let your breath do whatever it wants to, and observe what your breath is doing after you stop. Just notice it and sit with that new kind of breath. now, Dom, let your eyes stay closed and let yourself come back. Right, so notice the return of your, your mind. And now put your hands together in front of you. Put your palms together in front of you. Good. Rub them together. Rub, 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 rub. Feel that heat, that friction. Good. Cup them over your eyes. As you breathe in and exhale slowly, open your eyes with your palms over them. And when your breath is complete, let your hands come down. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually really cool. What was? What do you mean by crazy? Let's define. Um, well, I noticed that when you said to concentrate on my breathing again, like at first it was really, um, wow, that was actually, that was different. So I feel like super more, like way more awake than I did before. So I feel like way more like conscious, but I guess my breathing, like before um, the di like diaphragm breathing, I was focusing on diaphragm breathing. But then once I stopped doing like the segmented breathing, my diaphragm breathing was natural. So then when I, when I was like, just breathe however you want, I went back to like diaphragm breathing um, there naturally, even though before I was breathing like higher up, like in my chest mm -hmm. naturally. Yep. So... Yeah, the breathing was definitely way different. What um, was your mind doing? Just focusing on focusing on doing it correctly each step um because like it was kind of hard to manage it. So, I'm getting actually more air in each point because like those times where I would try to breathe into my chest and then it's like, okay, now try to breathe even more with your shoulders and I'm already like max capacity capacity on air, so trying to just do it correctly. What, over and over. What kind of thoughts were you having? Um, I'm, I guess like very just like calm, relaxed thoughts. Like, and I was I was thinking. I guess part of what I was thinking about um, was it like made me feel like like a kid again, almost in a way. Because the last time I did diaphragm breathing, I, I played music, and that was something that they like train you to do as a woodwind mm -hmm. player is like breathe through your diaphragm. So I was just like thinking about like, oh, last time I did this, I remember like like the joy of being a kid. So I guess I just felt like joy. So so bit. hold on, there's a big difference between remembering the joy of being a kid and feeling joy. Mm -hmm. Well, I felt like happy, like when I when I stopped 
doing this, like I just like I can't stop smiling right now for some reason. Yeah. So I guess I am feeling some amount of like happiness. Yeah. So that also means that you're meditating. Right? So this is what happens when people meditate. They start to feel happy. So like enlightenment or moksha is liberate is de- defined as liberation, which sort of impl- impl- implies freedom, but also bliss, mm-hmm. anand, which means bliss. And so when people meditate, they just feel happier. And so Perfect. last question I have wow, for so you. you can just, so you can just do that to yourself every day. You can yes. like make yourself feel happy. Meditation wow. is fucking OP. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's absolutely a thing. That's what people keep on talking about. The problem is that they do such a shitty job teaching it that people don't, like, it's absolutely OP. Like, there's no question that you can just make yourself happy every day. Yeah, man. So you, so you'd recommend doing that like before I just started my day? Like, right, like when you wake up, like doing that at a point or? I would not recommend that. Okay. What would would you recommend then? I wouldn't recommend anything for you. You tell me. Okay. When well, I mean, I would just, like, I guess when I would wake up, I would want to just feel happy at the beginning of the day. So probably, like, that would be when I would naturally think it would be the best time for it. Good. Then that's when you should do it. Remember, it's not about external formulas of success. It's about your uniqueness. Yeah. Listen yeah. to yourself. You will know when to meditate. Perfect. I'm going to do that when I wake up. Yep. So one thing I will tell you is that if you can do it around dawn or dusk, there are lots of texts that are thousands of years old that say that your yield from meditation will be greater. Okay. Whether it works for you, I don't know. It sounds like you start streaming pretty early, so you may be up around dawn. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be like 6, 7 a.m. Okay. Yep. Do you have a place that you can see the sun? Um, my balcony. Or I can go, yeah, my balcony. So I, I would consider watching the sunrise or being exposed to sunrise and meditating mm-hmm. in that situation. If you want to go like hardcore and be like a yoga hippie, you can go do that. Yeah. But you could also no. do it while streaming in front of a computer. And bizarrely, you don't have to do it in a very special place. Like that's what's cool is you can do it wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And you'd recommend I do it the same way with the segmented breathing? Yes. Or like st- would I do it the same way where I start with just diaphragm breathing and then I do diaphragm to chest then to shoulder and then like back down and then diaphragm to chest to shoulders like that same technique what do you think well i mean that's just naturally what i'll do because that's what gave me the go for the it. happiness or whatever like the response you know go for so. it right so i think the main okay. thing here so the last thing i'll ask you uh dom is what happened to your perception of time during that practice hmm I'm not sure. Was that a long time? I, I, I don't know what happened to my perception. I, I think I lost my perception of time. Excellent. That means you're doing it right. Right? Okay. So you weren't trying yeah. to not think. So if you lose perception of time, so time happens mm-hmm. within the mind. Right? Mm-hmm. So like while we're asleep, we lose our perception of time. Now that we're talking, your perception of time is returned. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so yeah, if, if you lose your perception of time, that means mm-hmm. that you're entering a no mind state. And so that means okay. that you're also not thinking thoughts. So it seems like you had thoughts from time to time, but for most of the practice, or maybe not most, I, I don't know how much, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you definitely got to a place where your, your atten- the attention of your, con- of your consciousness was focused mm-hmm. on you without thoughts. So you were conscious, but you were not actually thinking things. And okay. even then, it, it, whether you recalled, if, whether you had the thought of, oh, this is like being a child, but it sounds like you had the experience of joy that mm-hmm. was similar to you being a child. 
But the thought yeah. of this reminds me of being a child and that experience of joy are separate things. Does that make sense? One is a okay. thought, one is not. So I just probably linked it in my head because of like, so yeah. I had the thought and then I had the experience and I just linked it naturally, but they weren't connected. Yeah. Is what you're saying. So, so you had the experience and then your mind, because this is what it does, scans based on prior mm-hmm. experiences and makes connections. Okay. Like every time I go to the bathroom and I flush the toilet, my mind connects that little handle with the toilet flushing. Mm-hmm. So that's what the mind does. But I'm anyway, we're kind of getting a little bit deep, but just understand that there's actually a lot of cool stuff that happened within Dom that is not thinking. Is that okay? Like there wasn't, that wasn't all yeah. just thought. It's like weird experiences. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think you're doing it. I think the main thing is that you need something. So in order for you to get to that state, it's got to be challenging. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like, it's kind of like saying like, it's easy to not get toxic when you're playing noobs and lol because you're climbing. Cause it's like mm-hmm. NBD. So you need to mm-hmm. be at a high degree of competition with your mind. Mm-hmm. So if it, it, and I, so I think you decide kind of what the cognitive, you, you can do it, whichever. So, so eventually, so I, what I assume is going to happen is over time, like I'll be more practiced at that type of breathing method and it'll become like easier for me, which will make it, like, yeah, then I'm going to need new challenges. So how, what, what do I do from there if that happens? So that's why advanced meditation techniques exist, right? So there's beginner meditation, there's advanced mm-hmm. meditation, there's expert mm-hmm. meditation. Okay. So, so my path of, of learning meditation, I learned a bunch of techniques for about three months when I was living in India at an ashram, came mm-hmm. back to the U.S., practiced those techniques for a year, went back, and then went to the advanced class which are more engaging, more cognitively, like more focusing, deeper techniques. And then eventually you'll start to have, you know, different kinds of experiences within meditation that are kind of cool and fun. Wow. This has opened up my, like, I didn't even know this stuff was possible. Like, I thought it was like a myth. I thought it was some like hippie stuff or something, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. It's because that's how it's fucking taught most of the time. So the the problem with meditation is that we, to become a meditation teacher, you have to have a class. Right, because that's how we determine someone's an expert. It's fucking dumb. Someone ha- yeah. f- completes the class, so they go through the motions, they become a meditation teacher. No, like mm-hmm. meditation teacher is about experience and like the competence that comes from it. And then if you're a good mm-hmm. meditation teacher, you should be able to take someone and teach them how to meditate properly. Right, like that's yep. But good, I'm very happy for you. Yeah, Dom. whatever I did before, I don't think that was meditation. Yep. Like, so I guess I haven't tried meditation until this. This is my you haven't tried. So so this is where there are a couple of different words for meditation. So meditation is two things. One is a verb. It's a practice that you do. The other thing is it's a state of mind. I think you have tried meditation. I think you have not achieved the meditative state of mind until today. Okay. Good thoughts to know. or thoughts or questions before we wrap up? No, I just didn't know that that was a thing. Like yeah. I really just didn't know it was a thing. Like, yeah, I, just thought, I thought I thought that that I understood why it was good and like I like I understood the reasoning behind it, but I just didn't think it was like that. Like I didn't think that you actually like. So I'll let you in on a little secret. Like that. Everyone who talks about the benefits of meditation or is missing the fucking point. What you felt is the fucking point. It's not about reductions of anxiety. It's not about improvements of, in depression. This is why people meditate. Understand this very clearly. Buddha was not trying to treat people's anxiety. Mm-hmm. which is what we do now, right? We use, like, oh, you should use Headspace. You've got panic attacks? Like, oh, use Headspace. That's not why Buddha was doing it. Buddha was doing it for what you experience today. That's the reason you meditate. 
Perfect. Absolutely, man. Good. I'm so happy for you. I'm very, very happy for you. That's really cool. All yeah. right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course, man. I think that's gonna that's definitely gonna change things going forward. <laughs> okay. Well, good for you. All um, right. Well. It, Go ahead. I, no, I no, I was, I was just going to say, you know, up. if you run into any trouble or anything like that, feel free to drop me a line or something. You know, I'm happy to continue to, to help you or guide you, okay? Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Any thoughts or questions before we wrap up? No, I'm good. Okay, awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on, and, and thank you so much for sharing, like, everything that you did, because I certainly learned a lot, and hopefully it was helpful to other people, too. Yeah, I, and, feel, I feel the same. Good luck, man. Take care. All right, thanks. Alrighty. Okay. So we're about at time for today. And so I want to, um, yeah, so he's a pitta. Absolutely. Right. So we just, we get a lot of vatas. Well, what happens is like electronics worse than vata. So we see a lot more, um, vata disturbance than, than pitta disturbance in gaming. But I absolutely think that toxicity is, is an example of Bit the disturbance. Um, but yeah, so that was, I, I don't know. I mean, how was, like, I know that we didn't like, you know, we didn't start breaking down and crying and stuff, which I know is why, how some people gauge the value of a session. I definitely don't think of it that way. Um, and yeah, so I want to thank you guys. Hopefully that was helpful for y'all. I really think that, uh, so I, I think Dom has a very, very good experiential or intuitive understanding of a lot of the things that, I think hold our audience or gamers or Gen Z back millennials, which is sort of like, you know, he's orienting towards himself. Like he's understanding that activities are not good or bad. That like, if you don't like school, it's not necessarily school's fault that you have an individual contribution to the way that you live your life and how activities are experienced. Right. So like a great example, like he said, was from, from J Cole and taking out the trash that, you can change something in your mind that makes you enjoy things more. And that has 100% been my experience. So like what I found is that, you know, I used to dislike life and that you can actually do some kind of process of reflection and observation and that through reflection, observation, and understanding, activities that you used to dislike are more able to be done. Not necessarily saying that I like doing them, but that, that I'm able to do them. And then, so that can, then that gets to the question of how do you understand? Because watching someone else tell you that conclusion, it doesn't make it easy for you to take out the trash. So I think another kind of uh, meditative practice that y'all can think about is just take out the trash, right? And when you take out the trash or clean something and notice yourself before, take a snapshot of yourself before, notice that you don't feel like doing it, do the thing, and then take a snapshot after. How do you feel afterward? So study yourself in the way that you read guides to like climb, you know, rank in League of Legends or in the way that you like, you know, read about this and study other things in the way that you guys keep up with coronavirus and understand what's going on. Understand yourself and try to uh, try to be a little bit more unique instead of like, you know, just following an external road to success. Because following the external road to success fucking doesn't work. And so stop doing it. Like, look within yourself. Everyone is a snowflake, right? That's actually the whole point. Like, 
I have a video mapped out about this that I want to do, but, but you guys, sh you are snowflakes and you should treat yourself as a snowflake because you are a snowflake. No one with your set of experiences and your set of advantages and your set of disadvantages has ever existed in the history of the universe and never will again. So you are unique and you better start playing the game of life that way. You better stop playing based on like what other characters with other stats do and understand like what you are and how you are unique. And what we can hear from Dom very clearly is that when he stopped gravitating towards objective success and started gravitating towards being unique, he became more fulfilled and more successful. And I did the same exact thing. 